it's interesting to see that if we were to predict the lineage of Jesus the way that it should be, we would pick the most holy people more than likely, and we would pick a very direct path, probably not including the number of people that we're going to talk about today. Virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's Matthew 1, 23. We're talking about the book of Matthew, chapter 1 today. As stated last week, our plan is to go chapter by chapter, week by week. We hope that you are going through the material with us, and if nothing else, We hope that this podcast inspires you to open up the book of Matthew and look at chapter one yourself. We want to interact, so please reply to us in email um, or find us on social media and interact with us so we know uh, what you're feeling in regards to this chapter, your life, and uh, God's direction in your life. So with Matthew chapter one, there are a number of verses that I want to highlight and focus on. I'm certainly not going to go through the entire chapter, and if you're familiar with Matthew 1, most of the chapter, probably about 70 to 80% of it, is lineage-based. And uh, I think that lineage is important, but I think it's an area that we kind of skim through a lot of times. If you're well-versed in the Bible and you've been through Leviticus and Deuteronomy, kind of that similar type of feel. And uh, I think it's those areas that we need to go through over and over and over again to get as deep a meaning as we possibly can. And so I hope to share what I've observed over the last week with Matthew 1 and how it's deep for me and hopefully promote some Bible study for you also. As a reminder of our mission here, uh, we bring together Christians who strive to follow the light of God over the darkness of this world to renew our mindsets through shared experience and discipleship so we can better love the Lord our God following his commandments. Today our benefit is simply the book of Matthew chapter 1 and a deep dive to look at what it has to offer. The first verse that I'd like to point out, actually first two verses, is Matthew 1, 2, and 3. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron and Hezron, the father of Ram. It then continues on and continues on, but I'm highlighting these two verses for a couple of reasons. One, where's Jacob, right? In our study of Genesis that we've likely all gone through, one of the more highlighted characters is Jacob, right? Who was the youngest brother until Benjamin came along, but the youngest brother of Judah. No mention of Joseph here. There is mention of Jacob and there is mention of Judah. So why is that? Well, obviously because the line of Jesus comes from Judah, not from Joseph. But this is our first instance where we see sort of a sinful trajectory. And that's not completely accurate. There was certainly sin in all these men, starting with Abraham. But it's interesting to see that if we were to predict 
the lineage of Jesus the way that it should be, we would pick the most holy people more than likely, and we would pick a very direct path, probably not including a number of people that we're going to talk about today. If you go back to Genesis and you look at Judah's story, he was a sinful man. He was a fornicator. And that further just continues in the theme that we're going to discuss here today on how I feel deeply uh, that it's important that these people, these maybe quote-unquote unholy people, are associated with the holiest human that's ever lived. Uh, It's pretty impactful when you think of it that way. I'd also like to talk about Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah. It's the first time, and forgive me if I'm mispronouncing names, likely I am, but it's the first time other than his brothers that we mention two siblings. And you'll notice that we mention Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, but then we continue the lineage with Perez, not with Zerah. So why is Zerah mentioned? And a little bit of research on this, and again, I'm not a biblical scholar, And I don't want to misdirect you. I just want to provide my experience and provide my interpretation where so fit. I believe it's because if you go back into the Old Testament, you see that Perez and Zerah were mentioned together as twins. I also saw that there was an argument, well, why are Jacob and Esau not present? They were twins. So I'm not 100% clear on, on exact reasoning why, But it does mention that that's how they were referred to, and that's how the intended audience, the Jewish audience and the Gentile audience that knew the Old Testament, would best link the lineage with the people mentioned here in this lineage line. But that's interesting. It's the first time that another sibling is mentioned that's not in the direct lineage. Yes, just prior to that in the same verse, Actually, the verse prior in Matthew 1-2, it does say Judah and his brothers, but it doesn't mention his brothers specifically, Joseph, nor any of the others. So it's kind of interesting that that's included there. Also interesting is that by Tamar, the mother was Tamar. And it's the first instance where we have a woman mentioned in this lineage. We'll end up with five. We'll talk about a few of them as we go along. And that is kind of the theme and the depth that I am pulling from this chapter and is most resonating with me. I think that as we continue on and we lay out verse by verse here, what we see and we begin to see is this sinful line that doesn't make sense because it leads to Jesus Christ, the only sinless human being that ever exists, the only perfect person that ever existed. But as we see in Jesus' life in the Gospels later on in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus often sat with sinners and met the woman at the well, uh, met with the tax collector who weren't the most popular people at that time, made the tax collector uh, his disciple as an instance of the writer of this book. Even his own lineage, his holy lineage, if you will, on earth, comes from a cast of sinners. I mean, different people, we can't cast them all in the same. We can definitively say that all men fall short of being perfect. All men are sinners, but some of us take a different approach and sin more and some sin less. But to me, it's, it's so profound that we keep seeing individual after individual that the Old Testament tells us about the sins that they've committed. And again, to 
common sense, at least for me, I would think that that wouldn't be the line of people that Jesus would come from. So how almost ironic and profound is it that Jesus comes from a line of sinners, yet he wasn't a sinner himself. He was the only perfect individual, despite all that, even sitting with sinners and spending the majority of his life discipling to those sinners. Well, spending his entire life because everyone was a sinner besides him, of course. So interesting and so profound, I believe. In Matthew 1.6, we see, And Jesus, the father of David the king, and David was the father of Solomon by wife of Uriah, by the wife of Uriah. Uriah is mentioned in the ESV. I think in other translations, it's Bathsheba, which is probably more recognized by a number of individuals. Bathsheba certainly uh, marks an instance where a sinful person is mentioned in the Bible and is a part of this lineage of Jesus. It's the fourth woman that's mentioned. There's two between Tamar and Uriah at that point. We're, of course, going to conclude with the fifth woman mentioned would, of course, be Mary, uh, who is a great example of what a woman should be. But in this We have other examples of women and men that are examples of not what men and women should be. It also ends with called Christ. And I knew a little bit of this, but perhaps you know more, you know less on the subject. But where does Christ come from if we look that up? Uh, We know that the New Testament was written in Greek and the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And so any mention of Savior, any mention of Christ in the original languages comes from a different word. So Christ is an English version of the Greek word Christos. And that word Christos means anointed one. And that's translated from Hebrew in a word Messiah. Probably mispronouncing that. Which, of course, we refer to in English as Messiah. So you've undoubtedly heard Messiah. You've undoubtedly heard Christ. Those are where those words come from, which is interesting. Oh, by the way, so Christos, meaning anointed one, Messiah or Messiah, uh, one who is anointed. So their definitions are very similar. In Matthew 120, we see, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that is wit." For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now we are at the end of the lineage, just prior to Jesus. So clearly we're talking about a different uh, Joseph here, not the one from the uh, Old Testament, Genesis specifically, as we mentioned prior. Um, And this part of it is after that lineage is mentioned, and it's talking about how uh, Mary was to conceive Jesus and what confusion that would have caused for Joseph and and Mary as well. And so here, Mary's the fifth woman that we're mentioning. And I don't know that any of us are capable of this, but to think back at what Joseph and Mary must have been experiencing in this time. It's the first time in human history that a child has been conceived without sexual intercourse. What would other people in society have thought of them? I just, I can't even fathom what they would have thought when they mentioned their story of Jesus. And we're, we're getting to see that here in Matthew 1. Mary, again, is a phenomenal example of what a woman should be. Ruth, not mentioned here in this podcast till now, also mentioned in this lineage, is another example of what a woman should be. But again, 
we have a number of accounts of people that are not what men should be and not what women should be, but they're mentioned in this lineage that concludes, if you will, with the holiest person that ever existed. Matthew 1, for me, is really summed up in that, that here we have this cast of characters, this lineage of sinners, and the ironic and profound nature that that leads to Jesus Christ. In so many ways, the Bible gives me hope as a sinner, and this is just another example of that hope and where Jesus came from and how we can relate to those individuals with the things that we've done in our lives. As a reminder, our show has split in two. We still have this podcast, Discipleship Conditioning, that continues on. Uh, The plan is to release this each Wednesday. The day may change in the future, but right now it's set for Wednesdays. We do plan, regardless of the day, to continue releasing it on a weekly basis. And what we've removed from the podcast over these last two episodes is the anatomy of it. Now, what we don't want to remove is the fact that our anatomy is biblically inspired. We know that in every book of the Bible, beginning in Genesis and ending in Revelation. We know that man was created by God and woman was created by God and that woman was created because it wasn't healthy for man to be alone. We also know the importance of our anatomy throughout the Bible in many different instances. And so one of the main goals of my life is to help people understand that our anatomy and the science of anatomy and physiology is not secular. It's biblically based, contrary to popular belief. So we will include anatomy when it pertains to the biblical account, but most of our anatomy talk will be in our second show, name of that to be announced shortly and the release date should be coming in the next couple weeks. I believe I'm going to record that on Mondays. That will also be released on a weekly basis. As we've highlighted, I think it would be a mistake to focus so much on the men of this lineage and not focus on the women of this lineage. So I've titled this episode Women for Matthew chapter 1. And when I think of women... Of course, I'm very biased, but I think of my wife. I think of the greatest woman that God could have provided me with, all the things that she's done. I hope you feel the same way about your wife. I hope that the people in your life, if you are a woman, uh, respect you and they appreciate what you've done. I would challenge us all to make sure that we're honoring our wives, we're honoring our sisters, we're honoring our friends recognizing their contribution to not only our lives, but to the story of creation that's told through the Bible. I am blessed with a phenomenal men's group on Wednesday mornings. I've mentioned it many times in this show. And there are some very unique benefits to meeting as a women's group and to meeting as a men's group. And I think that's healthy to do. But in meeting with a group that is all men and then seeing the beauty of our wives, it is really clear where we fall short as men. And one of the areas that we fall short is relationship. Um, Me and my dad are both built the same way. Um, We're kind of reclusive. We just kind of hang out at our house, hang out in our shell, do our own thing. And people can't believe that I haven't texted my dad in two months in some instances. 
and that's certainly a pitfall. <clears throat> Generally speaking, and my wife is within this generalization, women are far superior at developing and maintaining relationships than men are. So when we're recognizing our wives, we're recognizing these women of the Bible and the story that they play, which I think is critical because often you'll hear from people that oppose the Bible that it's a story of men and there's no women included. Obviously, our very first chapter here shows that that's not the case. <clears throat> goes out of its way to recognize these five individuals. Again, not all worthy of recognition. Maybe that's my opinion, but um, the way I perceive it goes out of its way. The writer, Matthew, goes out of his way to mention these five women. And we'd be remiss if we didn't focus on the impact that women have in our lives. Who, whatever that may be, as a mother, wife, friend, colleague, whatever it may be. So I hope you've read Matthew 1, uh, or you're encouraged to go back and read Matthew 1. And I'm interested to see what stands out to you. Uh, maybe we have something in common there on what stood out to us. Maybe we don't. But the point of this podcast and men's group and women's group and any Bible study is discussion and learning from the wisdom of the wise counsel in our lives. And so I hope to be that wise counsel for you. And I hope you're that wise counsel for me. So you can point out things that I've missed. And maybe I can provide you a new perspective that you haven't seen as you've gone through it. Just as always, we're self-sponsored. Our website is erratphysiology.com. I mentioned email as a means of communication or social media. Our email is hello at erratphysiology.com. Please let us know what you think of the podcast, where it's going, where it's been, and most importantly, Matthew 1. And if you want to get ahead of the game, Matthew 2, that we'll be speaking to next week. Our take-home message, I think the thing that is most important for me, at least to pull from this, and I hope to inspire you with this, is focusing on these five women pulled out of this lineage and focusing on the women that are near and dear to our lives and, and the women that are not near and dear to our lives, but we interact with on a daily basis. I wonder how we can serve women, how we can serve the women in our lives who have given so much and certainly understand the importance of relationship to a much superior degree than most men do. I'll include my wife as a generalization for most women, and I'll include myself as a generalization for most men. I am not that good at relationships. My wife is phenomenal with relationships. Perhaps you can relate, but regardless, I wonder how we can serve the women in our lives more adequately. Maybe love them in a way that they love us already. Let's conclude today with the Lord's prayer as we always do. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen.